The following Dharma talk was given by Ron Hogan Green. Hogan Sensei is a lay teacher in the Mountains and Rivers Order. He delivered his talk over Zoom from his home to both residents and home practitioners. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at zmm.org. Good morning. I want to talk this morning about faith. Uh, how does faith actually manifest in our life? How do we give life to faith in a practice, in a real way? So from the Mumon Khan case number 23, think neither good nor evil. The sixth ancestor, Wei Ning, was once pursued by Elder Monk Ming as far as Mount Dayu. The ancestor, seeing Monk Ming coming, laid the robe and bowl on a rock and said, this robe represents the entrustment of the Dharma. How can it be fought for by force? I will allow you to take it. Ming tried to lift the robe, but it was as immovable as a mountain. Terrified and trembling, he said, I came for the Dharma, not the robe. I beg you, lay brother, please reveal it to me. The ancestor said, at the very moment you were chasing me, without thinking good or evil, what was the true self of monk Ming? In that instant, Ming suddenly attained deep realization, and his whole body was covered with sweat. In tears, he bowed and said, Beside the secret words and secret meaning you have just revealed to me, is there anything else deeper yet? The ancestor said, what I have told you is no secret at all. If you turn the light around and illuminate your own original face, what a secret is right there. Ming said, though I have been with the other monks within the Sangha, and with Wang Mei, I have never had insight into myself. Today, I received your instruction and had an opening, like a person who drinks water and knows for themselves whether it was cold or warm. Now you, lay brother, are my master. The ancestor said, if that is the way you feel, let us both have Wei Mi as our teacher. Let us protect and uphold this teaching. Human's commentary. Regarding the sixth ancestor, his actions came from a state of emergency. In his grandmotherly kindness, he peeled a fresh, fresh lychee, removed its pit, and then placed it in your mouth. All you have to do is swallow. Human's poem. You may describe it in vain. Picture it to no avail. You can never praise it fully. Stop all your grasping and maneuvering. There's no place to hide the true self. Even if the world is extinguished, it cannot be destroyed. This koan um, is from the Platform Sutra, the biography, and perhaps the autobiography, and the teachings of waning the sixth ancestor. Wei Ning really crystallized Zen as a school 
and it is a Buddhist practice centered around samadhi, prajna, and an emphasis on kensho as a focal point of Zen, awakening. His dates are 638 to 713. And as, as a young boy who's illiterate, was living in southern China, he had a spontaneous enlightenment when he heard the phrase from the Diamond Sutra, mind arises without abiding anywhere. Eventually, because he wanted to pursue what he had heard and wanted to deep, more deeply understand it, he ended up in the monastery of the fifth ancestor, Wong Jen, which was in northern China, a long ways away. Very difficult journey, especially in those times. And he was recognized. Wei, Wei, the master Wei Zheng recognized Wei Ning's understanding was deeper, even coming in, than any of the other students. And there's stories about this and koans about this. And he decided to transmit the Dharma to him. which was signified by giving him the robe and bowl that had been passed down since Bodhidharma from teacher to teacher. This was a revolutionary, radical move. And the transmission was done at night and in private because Wing Ning had, he was not well regarded in the least being a, a peasant, so to speak, and just coming in for a few months, assigned to the rice shed. And the monastery was filled with serious practitioners who were monastics with years of seniority. And the master was concerned that the transmission would not be accepted, maybe even would put him in danger, uh, Wei Ning. Hong Jun asked, that Wei Ning leave the monastery and go back to his home in Southern China and stay in seclusion until he was ready to teach the Dharma. And there are stories about that as well in the sutras. And so Wei Ning left the monastery and sure enough, when it was discovered what had happened, one of the monks was asked to chase him and to bring back the precious robe and bowl. They asked Neo, who was a general, a soldier, fierce person, and he ran in pursuit of Wei Ning, and a number of days later caught up with him on Taiyu Mountain, where the story of this koan takes place. So the sixth ancestor, Wei Ning, was once pursued by elder monk Ming as far as Mount Daiyu. The ancestor, seeing Ming coming, laid the robe and bowl on a rock and said, this robe represents the faith. How can it be fought for by force? I allow you to take it. This is an interesting story to me. And when I first heard it many years ago, I had some difficulty relating to it. 
But in actual experience, I've seen this happen several times. I started practice with Roshi Kaplow at the Rochester Zen Center. And the senior priests, almost all young men who had devoted their lives to uh, Zen practice, Roshi Kaplow had not transmitted the Dharma to any of them. And a woman who lived locally, whose name was Tony Packer, came to practice there and had at her first session, I believe it was her first session, had a deep, deep awakening. And eventually, Roshi Kaplow transmitted the Dharma to her. It was not well accepted by the senior priests by the men. I remember one person saying to me, can you imagine a Zen master in a pantsuit? And I was kind of taken aback, but I was new to Zen. I knew I wanted to practice it. I just took it in. Genpo Roshi, a Dharma brother of, uh, of Daito Roshi, I don't know this firsthand, but gave Dharma holder status to a whole bunch of folks because there was so much squabbling and fighting between them. He gave it to them long before they were ready in an effort to stop the competition for the transmission. In Tony Packer's situation, she eventually had to leave the Rochester Center, not because of Kaplaroshi, he totally embraced her. But the atmosphere was such that she felt she couldn't practice there, couldn't teach there. And of course, this was a long time ago, at least 40 years ago. And Zen was different, our culture was different. But nevertheless, there it is through the ages. So he is an illiterate boy new to the monastery, who has clear and beyond doubt shown to the master his understanding, his insight. And here are all these monastics, I'm sure all men, who've devoted their life to this and could not in any way understand what happened. And you have to put yourself in that time and place where entering a monastery was one of the few paths beyond farming, or if you were born to a, a very high status family, probably entering the Confucian path and taking the exams, I don't know for sure. So I suspect the monks were jealous ignorant, and that they believed the transmission was material and decided to get back the robe and bowl. So imagine the mind of Ming as he chased the sixth ancestor. What was that mind? How concentrated was it? His mission was to preserve and save these precious objects 
which have been wrongly transmitted to this illiterate peasant boy. So he catches up to Wei Ning. And what is Wei Ning's response? This robe represents the faith. How can it be fought for and taken by force? I will allow you to take it. In the course of the transmission, at least in most Zen schools, there are some objects given from the teacher to the disciple. And the objects do represent faith and they represent the transmission, which are one and the same. And yet nothing is passed from teacher to, to student. The transmission occurs when the teacher and student are of one mind. In another sense, the entire phenomenal universe is witness to the realization. It is the realization. So what does the robe and bowl mean? You know, to me, the objects that Shugen Roshi gave to me on the transmission are precious. On one hand, they're only objects. And like all objects, all phenomena will come and go, just like I will. In another sense, I treasure them, absolute treasure them. But I treasure even more the Dharma that my teacher, Shugen Roshi, transmitted to me. And yes, there was teaching. And more than teaching, it was love and support. And more than love and support, it was our mutual respect, a love for the storm. And more beyond that. So what does the Roman bowl mean? Obviously, it symbolizes entrustment of the Dharma and faith in the Dharma. In the sixth ancestor manifesting what the Robert Bowl represent and saying, this robe represents the faith. How can it be fought for by force? I will allow you to take it. In saying that, what is he presenting? So, is this sixth ancestor's transmission and clarity? diminished in any way by allowing Ming to take it? Clearly, it's not about the robe and the bowl. It is because Wei Ning has complete faith in the Dharma and the robe and bowl as an embodiment of that faith that Wei Ning can let it be taken. Can it be taken? Can it truly be taken away? Can you see the mind of the sixth ancestor here? Can you see the affirmation of great faith? Great faith in the Dharma, in his own deep realization, which is the Dharma. The mind of great faith is immovable, absolutely immovable. Great faith in what? We're studying faith in the faith mind poem, among other ways. How does this live in our life? 
What is your robe and robe? What does your practice rest on? Can it be taken from you? Can it be offered to another? Perhaps it's not so hard as we sit here in the midst of long practice and say to ourselves, yes, I do have faith in the Dharma. That's not so difficult to say. It's not so difficult to feel. But we, when Ming is chasing us in our life equivalent, where do we find ourselves, our true self? This is not just another Zen story. I don't know if the six ancestor actually wrote the Platform Sutra, or perhaps a successor did, or who knows. But for us hearing this, there's an opportunity to study what faith and mind is when we become the mind of great faith, when we live it, when we're being chased across the landscape by those who may wish to harm us, perhaps within us, perhaps without us, outside us. The great way is not difficult for those who do not pick and choose. And it goes on. It sounds so simple. This is said from the perspective of clarity. Although choices must be made, can a choice be made without a chooser? When the action arises from this wisdom, without attachment, this is true compassion. And so it is in this koan. What greater compassion can there be than to help someone awaken? Of course, the sixth ancestor really doesn't get any credit here. Maybe a little. Ming tried to lift the robe, but it was as immovable as a mountain. Terrified and trembling, he said, I came for the Dharma, not the robe. I beg you, lay brother. Please reveal it to me. Why could he not lift it? Certainly was strong enough. Ming tells us, I came for the Dharma, not the robe. I beg you, late brother, please reveal it to me. What is the mind of Ming here? Let's feel this. I came for the Dharma. Please reveal it to me. There is so much that is painful and frightening going on in the world. So much that each of us are involved in, even in a semi-cloistered monastery. So much that we must be involved in, that this world demands it. And hopefully we demand it of ourselves. And I came to the Dharma and begged you, please reveal it to me. Both of those things are true. Each one is separate, and each one is one whole. Can you see that? Ming is trusting himself, 
beyond the usual understanding of trust or faith. Something dropped away when the sixth ancestor laid down the ball in the robe and offered it to him. Do we realize that we are being offered this in this practice? Do we realize that the Buddha and the teachers and the teachings and each other, the Sangha, are offering this to us, are laying it down before us? And these actions are the embodiment of great faith, not just great faith. It's interwoven with a great doubt came with a dharma and a great determination to be willing to let go of what he was so firmly fixed on in chasing the sixth ancestor. Again, imagine his mind as he's chasing him. Your awakening rests on this, but it doesn't abide in it. Why not? Where do you abide? Where is great faith? When our mind is thus, we are wide open. Nothing else is present, nothing. Wide open. Waning's life started a centuries long controversy of sudden enlightenment versus gradual enlightenment. We chant that the Northern or Southern ancestor. Each of our stories is unique to us, our unique karma. How we awaken doesn't fall into a recipe. Dogen teaches us that practice and enlightenment continue endlessly. No end, no beginning. Being caught in sudden versus gradual will not help us awaken. Being caught in breath, shikantata, shikantaza, koans. I came for the Dharma. The ancestors said, at the very moment you were chasing after me, without thinking good or evil, where was the true self of monk Ming? Where? Winning offers Ming this. If you put down everything you know, everything you own, everything you understand, every way you see yourself, let go of like and dislike, inquire as to who you are before life and death, without stop or hesitation or outcome expectation, you will see your true mind for yourself. Again, the great way is not difficult, just avoid picking and choosing. Do you understand? When you make a choice, avoid picking and choosing. How we understand this, how we live this, takes us right into the heart of Avalokiteshvara, which is your heart revealed. Is the great way is not difficult, just avoid picking and choosing different then without thinking good or evil, good or bad, where, right now, 
is your true face? This question underlies all of our Zazen, all of our liturgy, all of our art practice, our work practice. It underlies our relationships. It underlies the karma that we have created and will create. In that instant, Ming suddenly attained deep realization and his whole body was covered with sweat. There's nothing to speak of here. In tears, he bowed and said, beside the secret words and secret meanings you have just, meanings you have just revealed to me, is there anything deeper still? It's an interesting question. Is there anything else deeper yet? What monastic Ming realized is always right before us. So close, we can't see it with our eyes. When realized, it is like, of course, how could it be otherwise? There's a subtle familiarity, yet no explanation can reach it. While each realization has its own depth. All awakenings are awakening to this. The ancestors said, what I've told you is no secret at all. If you turn the light around and illuminate your own original face, what a secret is right there. Of course, it's always been right there. It is you yourself. How can it be otherwise? This is the cutting point of Manjushri's sword, Lumen's commentary. Regarding the sixth ancestor, his actions came from a state of emergency. In his grandmotherly kindness, he peeled a fresh lychee, restored its pit, removed its pit, and then placed it in your mouth. All you have to do is swallow it. Wei Ning was actually asking, what is it right here and now that is already free from this duality that we create with our mind, from our created apartness from things and the suffering that comes out of it? When the student is ready, really ready, realization is unstoppable. The six ancestors saw what was and responded. He peeled a fresh lychee, removed its pit, removed its pit, placed the robe and bowl and offered it, placed it on a stone and offered it, placed it in our mouth. All we have to do is swallow. Ming was asked a question. And what occurred cannot be understood by logic. Is faithful. Seeing your original face cuts deeply through all conceptual and speculative ideas about who we are. This is the sort of wisdom of Manjushri being swallowed by you yourself. It is shocking when we swing this sword. Everything we assume and know cannot fit here. 
no space whatsoever for a single thing. We can speak of emptiness, but that misses it by a thousand miles. It is your original face and it is not secret. Practice enlightenment is the most creative expression of our humanness. Someone spoke of Zazen as performance art, in which we take the posture and every breath and every gesture presents our practice realization. And this is not some expression of a refined understanding. It's a reflection of deep, deep faith, your faith in where you are, in your sitting, in your life, in your body, in your coming for the Dharma, not for some idea of what the Dharma is, or something to fill us up because we feel so empty. We're coming for ourself, our true self. And this, this deep trust you know, true self cannot be fully understood without being faith. Woman's poem, you may describe it in vain, picture it to no avail. You can never praise it fully. Stop all your grasping and maneuvering. There's nowhere to hide the true self. Even if the world is extinguished, it cannot be destroyed. Because there is nowhere to hide our true self. Even if the world is extinguished, it cannot be destroyed. Why not? The the story of the sixth ancestor in the Platform Sutra started or deepened the controversy between sudden and gradual enlightenment. So which is the better path? Shikantaza, koans, breath practice, Zen, mindfulness. Please don't be fooled. The great way is not difficult. Only avoid picking and choosing. Thanks for listening. Did you know that Zen Mountain Monastery is live streaming all Dharma talks and daily Zazen during the coronavirus quarantine? Visit our website to learn about all the online programs being offered at this time. Just go to zmm.org and click on the link at the very top of the page, or scroll down and click on Retreats.